0: Learn more online at MediaMakingChange.org. I'm Carly Meisberger. On this episode, we bring you a conversation with Jillian Detweiler and Judge Kemp from Street Trust about the alternative transportation movement.
1: This is Phil Bussey. It's the Nonprofit Happy Hour on X-Ray FM. I am joined uh, by two of the staff from Street Trust. Uh, Jillian Detweiler is Executive Director and Judge Kemp is Program and Events Director. How are you both? I'm great. Well. Thank you. So, Street Trust gives access to safe, affordable, equitable transportation. And let, let me try to think about uh, uh, rubber on the road here. This is through actually getting bikes to kids Education and lobbying. Am I missing anything?
2: Encouragement. So we do, yeah, we have education programs, encouragement programs, and advocacy programs.
1: And encouraging who to do what?
2: Well, our biggest (laughs) encouragement program is the Bike More Challenge, and that's a program that Judge runs, so I'll let him elaborate.
3: So the Bike More Challenge is, like Jillian mentioned, uh, like she said, is an encouragement program where we try to get more people to bike. Um, during May, May is the National Bike Month, and we have a program called Bike More Challenge where we get people out through a free program. They sign up. Uh, there's incentives to encourage people to ride more throughout the month of May. Um, there are people that have ridden bikes for just one day and there are people that ride their bikes every day throughout the challenge and you can uh, rack up some great incentive prizes uh, it's a great team building opportunity leadership leadership building um, just a wonderful program just to be a part of
1: so this, this is probably easier said than done I assume um, so let's let's try to unpack that a little bit so we're, we're talking about uh, students or or we're talking about uh, people in businesses here or both, both okay. You know,
3: workplaces, students, um, neighborhood associations, churches,
1: and so when when incentives uh, infers that there's some sort of hurdle to get over. What what is there a common reason that people aren't biking to school to work
3: to church? Well, there's several barriers. Um, you know, economics for one thing. Uh, and we've been fortunate to be able to work with partners such as Bike Down to provide access uh, throughout the month of May um, in some of our programs. We've worked with um, organ- organizations such as uh, People of Color Outdoor Group where Bike Down provided bikes for uh, people to ride and participate uh, in, in that portion of the program. And is is it getting? Um, I
1: just said it was. It was, this was. probably hard to do. But is it getting easier? You know, I just I just commuted over here and was uh, driving today. Um, it's a what? pain. <laughs> in, in my in my defense, I have to go pick up plywood afterwards, which is hard to carry on a bike. <laughs> uh, um, but it's also
2: defense I- accepted
1: <laughs> thank you <laughs> I-5 is a pain and it's getting worse and MLK is a pain and it's getting worse and is, is that is that an argument for, for biking or, or are we going to start to see bike traffic jams too
2: well I think we could start to see some bike traffic jams on our major bike thoroughfares but we're a long way from maximizing the capacity of streets that are designated for bikes and we know there are lots of trips not the one picking up plywood um, but lots of trips that could be made by bike and if they were um, that would make room for those trips that really need to be made by the car and you know we've expanded our mission beyond cycling because we recognize that to be successful in dealing with the growth of Portland, dealing with the environmental consequences of our transportation system as it is today, we need to shift a lot more trips um, to transit and walking in addition to biking.
1: Right. And and so uh, Street Trust has been around since the mid-90s. Is that correct? Correct. Uh, And a lot has changed in Portland since then. Yes, uh, you know both both in terms of uh, the density, the number of people, but also in terms of uh, the the availability of bike lanes. I mean, there's been some real positive changes. Um, is that making it easier to make an argument for people that it is it is safer out there? Is it safer to bike today than it was uh, thirty years ago?
2: Um- I think that it is, and it's a lot more comfortable. There are a lot more comfortable spaces. A lot of safety is is perceived um, as well as the reality. But we still have uh, a ways to go, especially in places like East Portland, where there's an incomplete street grid for any user, and there are still some very large streets um, that it's really hard to avoid, and traffic moving at high speeds.
1: And can you – I, I want to keep uh, going through this this idea of an incentive of making a biker from a non-biker. Is there, is there a story of a particular uh, person you can tell me about how uh, he or she uh, uh, was motivated to become a biker? Um, how What incentives you dangled and what you found to be productive?
2: So I have had several people, and I think they're just uh, – examples tell me how the Bike More Challenge changed their life. The Bike More Challenge is primarily um, team-based at people's place of employment, and we have folks who volunteer to be a team captain, and they really are the driving force of changing the culture where they work. And um, for folks who have trouble just getting out of the rut of driving the bike more challenge is what can make a difference. Um I talked to a person at this year's bike more challenge party. He works at Heister Yale in Troutdale. He rode his bike most days from Lake Oswego to Troutdale. Wow. And you know Impressive. this isn't so this isn't <laughs> just a white collar, you know, downtown Uh, phenomenon these are folks now and he's he's able to take the Springwater corridor most of the way and that was an option that wasn't available for people in the 90s
1: you know and it's 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 such a great way to start the day and to end the work day
2: it is it's a huge stress relief (laughs) and you know that's the opposite of what many people are experiencing now sitting in traffic um, not knowing how long it will take them to get to where they need to go right now Cycling can provide some of the most reliable travel times. We need to expand that to transit as well.
1: And and as as one of the the hurdles, uh, I know for me, uh, uh, I don't like biking in November and December so much. Uh, I, I don't either, <laughs> and I don't. <laughs> and is is that one of the hurdles that you hear? Is is and 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 do you provide? I mean, uh, rain pants and 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 fenders can alleviate a lot of that. Uh, is that part of what, what uh, um, Street Trust provides? We don't, pro-
2: we don't provide rain gear, <laughs> right. um, although we do have an excellent um, relationship with Showers Pass, who often is offering um, discounts to our members. And they have terrific rain gear. But, you know, that's part of the reason for the expanded mission to include walking and transit in addition to biking. You know, we recognize that not every trip is going to be comfortably made by bike. And we want to expand options that are alternatives to driving alone.
1: And how does Street Trust differ from, say, community cycling?
2: Community Cycling Center is a wonderful organization, and we partner in many ways. Um, Community Cycling Center has a shop on Alberta. We don't have a shop, and they their biggest programming is summer camps for kids. And they do, you know, wonderful job teaching kids bike safety and all of the joys that come with cycling every summer. We have had a bigger focus in public schools teaching bike safety education, and we have had the bigger role in advocacy for the expansion of facilities that make it safe and convenient to walk, bike and take public transportation.
1: And I do want to talk about some of the advocacy. I want to stay a little bit on the classes for a bit. So there, there's I really liked seeing this there's not just classes for the bikers, but you have safety classes for drivers.
2: Yes, we have a Oregon-Friendly Drivers Program, and it is critical for drivers to expand their understanding of why cyclists do what they do, what some of this new infrastructure means and how you should drive around it. Um, you know, examples about every intersection for a pedestrian is a crosswalk, whether it's striped or not, and cars should come to a stop. So we think that educating drivers is an important uh, activity to make it safe for all road users. And
1: and and uh, from
2: being at those classes, do you have
1: an idea? Do most people think they're good car drivers?
2: I couldn't say. <laughs> uh, you know, and it, it's frustrating when there's some animosity among modes. Um, you know, I think that Being aggravated or sort of a jerk is probably not (laughs) mode-specific. You know, it's distributed across all all road users. And, you know, the the tough thing is right now, as our city grows, we have more congestion. People are getting frustrated. And we really um, need people to appreciate others on the road. Yeah,
1: absolutely. I mean, because that 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 in in, in a car bike tangle, if if both are agro drivers, the biker is going to lose, that's and that's right. a very vulnerable feeling when you're in a bike lane, uh, is, is how exposed you can be.
2: It is, and you know, people then react to that. Their you know their blood pressure rises. They feel threatened, um, and I think that automobile drivers don't always appreciate. Um, kind of the, the experience that someone on a bike is having when they, they feel that they were very close to being hit.
1: Yeah, I, I may have, quote-unquote, tapped a car or two yeah. in, in the past.
2: Yeah. Just a love tap, <laughs> just to let them know that I'm there. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Let's change gears, so to speak, uh, for a little bit. Um, what is your motivation? What's the motivation of Street Trust? Because there are so many different ways that uh, an, uh, a person or an organization comes to uh, bike mass transit uh, uh, opportunities, whether it's environmental, economical, uh, city planning. Is is there a, a predominant motivation that Street Trust has? Is this about the environment and reducing climate change or slowing climate change? Or is this about providing
2: economic opportunities or it, it is all it of the is. above. Yes, definitely. Um, we were founded as the Bicycle Transportation Alliance um, by folks who really just wanted to be able to ride a bike safely. But as the organization has evolved and we expanded our mission almost three years ago to include walking in public transit, it's because the... Our transportation system is responsible for about 40% of emissions that are contributing to climate change. So there's an environmental imperative to change the way that we get around. And then there are all these benefits. Public health. Uh, Cars are often the second largest expense that a household has. And if you can eliminate um, one car, you can save, you know, on average $7,500 a year. Um, And that's including... The cost to, you know, get an annual TriMet pass. Um, there are safety benefits. Um, you know, cars kill a lot of people.
1: Absolutely. Um, and then, and both of you, when, when did, um, I want to talk about some of your
3: motivations. When did each of you become a bike commuter? For me, uh, my experience is a little different. Uh, before I moved to Portland, I actually used to live in Amsterdam, and so in Amsterdam, it is a city filled with a variety of modalities. Uh, you've got trams, you've got skateboarders, you have cyclists, of course. You've got mopeds and pedestrians. Um, I remember being in Amsterdam, there's also a, a gentleman, we used to call him, which means Mr. Naked Butt in English. He would be rollerblading um, everywhere. So you've got all of these different modes of transportation getting from point a to point b and there's a lot of cobblestone in amsterdam i think there's some jiggling going on yes (laughs) lots of jiggling (laughs) yes probably too much so but you know when i moved here to portland um i i was afraid of riding my bike because the infrastructure here was very different than what i previously experienced in, in 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 amsterdam um Fast forward to today when we now have more bike lanes, more bike infrastructure in place. Uh, I think it's great. The problem is it's secondary. And so a lot of drivers and vehicles still aren't aware or educated, as Jillian mentioned, about some of the things that cyclists actually have to deal with on a day-to-day basis.
1: You know, it's, it's um, I, I took my daughters to Amsterdam uh, earlier this summer and I've heard everything that you've said before, Judge, about uh, bikes and bikes being important there. I wasn't quite prepared for – I mean, it's – it's I, I, this is the number that I would just say from my <laughs> eyesight was a 1,000 bikes to one car. Easily. Easily. It is It is truly overwhelming. And to come from Portland and to feel like we are a bike city, to be really humbled – By that i mean there certainly is the infrastructure of there are not really parking garages for cars but there are parking garages i mean ramps for bikes for bikes uh there there are there's also the culture of it though i was amazed that you come to an intersection and it's like people in amsterdam have better peripheral vision (laughs) because they just (laughs) would there was a flow with the bikers uh that 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 maybe isn't at the same level that portland has yet
3: I don't, I, you know, it's completely different um, and because in the Netherlands, because of uh, the, the World War, all of that infrastructure was built to accommodate better modes of transportation. Um, here we have to kind of retrofit things. And I think what we're doing is great. We could, of course, always do better. But sadly, there's always the price tag that comes with that.
1: Absolutely. And, and Jillian, uh, what's, what's your background as a cyclist?
0: I really
2: started riding my bike a lot more when I the day I applied for the job to be the head of the street trust. I am a loyal transit rider um, who has come to also really enjoy riding my bike.
1: Julian Detweiler is executive director for Street Trust, and Judge Kemp is program and events director. And you, you guys, you guys brought in a number of songs. You guys seem to have debated over which which bike song or which uh, anthem to have. And what what did you finally settle on to play for us?
3: I think we settled on "Freedom" by Aretha Franklin. Absolutely. Let's
1: take a listen.
4: They playing yeah. games
1: That was, of course, Queen of Soul, Aretha Franklin. This is Phil Bussey. It's the nonprofit Happy Hour and X-Ray FM. I am joined uh, in the studio by Julian Detweiler, who is executive director for Street Trust and Judge Kemp, who is programs and events director. We've been talking about uh, the culture of biking in Portland and and how to get more people on bikes, get more people to commute, uh, educate drivers. Another big thing that Street Trust does is lobbying. Who? Who are you lobbying? Is this city, metro, state?
2: Yes. Uh, <laughs> okay. we, we are opportunistic. Um, so two years ago in the 2017 legislature, we had a tremendous opportunity with a statewide transportation bill. And we were able to get uh, $120 million for safe routes to school infrastructure projects. We also supported having the first statewide resource for public transportation.
1: And and I, I want to just pause right there. So so we're 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 now outside of Portland. We're we're talking about uh, Redmond, Medford. Right. These other- are
2: programs that benefit communities all across the state. So the Safe Routes to School program, uh, schools or communities apply to ODOT for money to fix deficiencies that are preventing kids from being able to walk safely to school. So it's unsafe crossings, lack of bike lanes. Missing sidewalks, and it's really exciting to see that program available to communities around the state.
1: And 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 excuse me, how, how long ago was that? That was
2: so that was the 2017 legislature. Okay, our biggest opportunity right now is at the regional level in the Portland metropolitan area. There is a proposal to have a significant transportation package in front of the voters in 2020. Metro is leading the process to put that together. And the Street Trust is a founding member of the Getting There Together Coalition. We're now 35-plus organizations strong, representing community groups throughout the region that are working hard to make sure that that measure serves walking, biking, and transit. And focuses on communities that have been either damaged by past transportation measures or simply left behind. So we need to expand bus service to places uh, that are maybe a little less dense, but where low-income families can afford to live. They need to be able to safely access that bus service by provision of sidewalks and bike lanes. And we're hoping that uh, this can really be a game changer for our region.
1: And that's a ballot measure for the May or the November election?
2: It would be November 2020.
1: Okay. And there's a f- few other things happening in November 2020 on that ballot. Indeed, it's, it's going to be
2: it's going to be a crazy time. Um, you know, in the meantime, we did we were active in the legislative session that uh, closed in June or the end of June, early July. Uh, we were successful in getting a uh, change to the law that clarifies that bike lanes continue through intersections. There had been two unfortunate. Uh, judicial rulings where a cyclist was hit, one was killed in an intersection. The law requires that cars yield to cyclists in a bike lane, and the judge said because the bike lane wasn't striped through the intersection, which they almost never are, that the, that the driver was not at fault. Um, the cyclist was not in a bike lane. Oh, we changed made... the law. I mean, there's nowhere for bikes to go, you, you know, right, right, right. No, it's doesn't... like, yeah, it was crazy. Um, and so we, we were successful in getting the law changed. Um, we also supported Floyd Przansky's, um effort to legalize what's called the Idaho stop. Cyclists um, can slow and yield at an, at an intersection with a stop sign, but they don't need to come to a full stop.
1: I was always calling that the California stop, but I imagine that would be harder to get through the legislation, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> given some sentiments in yeah. the state. I want to just I want to roll back to the, so the the getting their ballot initiative. Uh, uh, um, do you need help getting signatures? Is that already done? Where Where is that in the incubation process?
2: So it's still kind of early days. Metro has formed a 35 member task force. Uh, The Street Trust has a representative on that task force, and um, there's been a pretty high level of public interest in these task force meetings um, with not only members of the Getting There Together Coalition, but also um, the Sunrise Movement, really focusing on how this transportation package could really transform our transportation choices in a way that's more environmentally appropriate.
1: And is that asking uh, voters for is there is there a uh, is this a bond measure of any sort? Is this uh, where's the funding coming from or how does that prioritize?
2: In that that is one of the ways in which we are in early days. So the work that's been done so far is to identify key corridors in the region that require investment to use those corridors more effectively? How can we stripe them with bike lanes so that more of that traffic can go on bikes? What do we need to do to get buses out of traffic so that the bus can be a choice that is uh, reliable and makes some sense for people time-wise? The corridors have been selected we're now looking at specific projects in those corridors through some, they're calling them local investment teams. It'll be the fall before the committee starts talking about revenue sources, and that will be a challenging conversation.
1: Absolutely. I want to round out our conversation by talking uh, uh, about an event and an award that Street Trust is, I think, really is a hallmark, uh, the Alice Awards.
2: Yes. <laughs> and <Yeah.
1: laughs> 30 years, almost?
2: It'll be 30 years uh, next year that we'll be. We've had an Alice Awards um, event and recognize leaders in the alternative transportation movement.
1: And and um, how who who wins how how who who's nominated? How does the nomination happen? And then how does the selection happen?
3: Well, there's a selection process um, where we have staff um, select based off of certain qualifications. There's certain categories or, or criteria. Um, we're looking at. We look at like uh, an emerging leader. We look at oh goodness. I'm trying to think off the top of my head. Um, emerging leader. Uh, help. <laughs> <laughs>
2: okay. Um, so we do a we do a call um, for nominations. There we go. And yeah, yeah. People can be doing work in the field in all different areas. Whether it's you know helping kids whether it is encouraging you know, their workplace or adults, whether it's the advocacy work or the encouragement work or the education work, um, we seek nominations. And then we also um, are attentive to you know, folks we know who are really making a difference in the community.
3: I also want to chime in. There's also, also the equity focus that is on okay. top of all of what we look at. So that's also important. And I, it, it's been a de- good decade plus since
1: I've gone to, to the Alice Awards uh, when, they were, when you were still bike uh, BTA, Bike uh, Transportation Alliance. It was a fun event. Is it still fun? It is very <laughs>
2: fun. It is September 27th at 5.30 at Castaway Portland. You can buy your tickets at thestreettrust.org, and we would love to see you there.
1: Julian Detweiler is Executive Director for Street Trust, and Judge Kemp is Program and Events Director. Thank you both for coming in. Thank you for having us.
0: Thank you. The Nonprofit Happy Hour is made possible by Beneficial State Bank, a certified B Corps that holds to what it calls a triple bottom line of social justice, environmental well-being, and economic sustainability. If your organization or business is interested in underwriting our show, please email phil at mediamakingchange.org. The Nonprofit Happy Hour is a production of the Media Institute for Social Change and KXRY Radio, X-Ray FM. Our host is Phil Bussey. Our executive producer and editor is me, Carly Meisberger. Archives of past shows can be found on our SoundCloud page. Questions, comments, or ideas about the show can be sent to info at mediamakingchange.org. Thanks for tuning in.